Sei pronto? Massimo? Oh. Eh, Alessandro. Alessandro. Cerchiamo Massimo. Yes, I know. Un attimo solo, eh? It's a Condé Nast? Yes, it's Condé Nast. Condé Nast Travel. Ok. Yeah, yeah, just in a second, please. I will find Massimo, just a second. Ok. Welcome and happy Friday. It's June 17th, 2016, and this is Travelog, the podcast of Condé Nast Traveler. I'm here with Matt Ducker, an editor for Epicurious. Hi, Matt. Hey, Brad. How's it going? Uh, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> and this is a very, very special edition of the podcast. We have a guest by phone from, we're going to go straight to Modena in, in Italy, and we're going to talk to Massimo Bottura, the chef and owner of Osteria Francescana in Modena, Italy. Um, it just captured the number one spot on the world's 50 best restaurants list. Massimo? Sì, sì. Sono Brad uh, from Condé Nast Traveler. Hi. Come stai? English or Italian? I, English. 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 <laughs> All right, perfect. No, I, 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 I speak a little bit of Italian. Your wife's name All is right. your wife's name is Laura, and she's from the United States. My wife's name is Laura, and she's from Torino. I can't believe that. <laughs> it's true. We it's, it's true. Um, so, yeah. are, are you? Is it okay to talk now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm uh, totally fine. Perfetto. Hi, Massimo. This is uh, Matt. I'm doing the podcast with Brad. Um, Hi. I, and I work at, at uh, Condé Nast as well at Epicurious. Um, can you tell yeah. us, where, where are you right now? Are you in the kitchen of Austria Francescana? I'm uh, on the street. On the street. In the street in front of the restaurant. Very good. And this, I just got a chair because I'm going to sit here and I'm going to concentrate on what I have to say. Absolutely. Uh, maybe maybe to yes. start, just it must have been a, a crazy week for you. Can you just describe what happened uh, in the past week and what the whirlwind has felt like? Yeah, uh, actually, it been uh, in the last uh, couple of months it was uh, just crazy because uh, I went to Sydney at the Sydney Opera House. I gave a speech in front of two thousand people. Like it was unbelievable. But uh, a few weeks later. I was at C2 in Montreal about creativity, and uh, I just re I received like three standing ovations that, you know, blew my mind. Then Furore, and then moved to New York, uh, expecting, uh, you know, uh, just like this. You know, I, we felt we did something uh, incredible in the last three years, but, you know, we are Italian. We don't have a like big uh, country uh, that they support uh, that support us, or like the Royal Academy of Spain, or like uh, the Pro Australia, the Nordic. Uh, we we are by ourselves with our idea, with our ideas. But these uh, these ideas can be very contagious, and uh, and uh, in the moment. That night, Monday night, you know, we were between uh, number three and number two. The all, uh, all my life passed through my mind. And uh, when they said the Salar de Canroca, number two, uh, 1,000 people in the room, they start screaming and exploding. And I felt, uh, I felt incredible because uh, 
it means that uh, they really want me to have that prize. And, uh, you know, it's, it feels incredible, feels incredible. All the sacrifice, all the work. Because people think that we are rock star, but it's not like this. Our job is just about our work every day. And uh, all the hard work is, uh, is paid in one night, in one moment, you know. I'm I'm curious, uh, Massimo, about uh, about your relationship with other chefs on the list. It, it, it seemed at the event itself that there's a lot of camaraderie there. You guys certainly were yeah. having a good celebration afterwards, yeah. but there must also be yeah. competition. How do you think about that? No, 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 no. Look, uh, um, it's uh, the whole uh, gastronomic uh, world at this level has changed a lot in the last uh, 15 years. Uh, there is no more competition like that. You know, we are like sharing. You know, I can say, I can say, you know, that the Levin Madison Park, uh, Daniel Am, number three in the world, he was waiting for us uh, Tuesday night after the day after the the award, and uh, they filled the old kitchen with green, uh, white, and red uh, flags, and they were waiting for me to walk in and the whole brigade was like screaming and singing the Italian, uh, you know, song, you know, Lino di Bameli. And that was unbelievable touching, you know, I started crying uh, because it was just incredible that we were in New York. My wife is from New York. You know, we are back in New York and we received the prize as the best wrestler in the world. And uh, it's just, it's just something that you can't explain. You have to live it. You know. There's no no other Italian restaurant has ever taken this title. Is that right? No, I was I was uh, talking with a journalist right now, an Italian journalist, and uh, she realized that this prize can be something much more important than a prize, almost something political. You know, because in a country like ours that is so critic. Uh, you know, some uh, positive injection is, uh, is something extremely important. And uh, this kind of prize could be um, very, very important for all the farmers, the fishermen, the agriculture, the, the, the you know, the, but also the... Come si dice formazione? Lara, formazione. Lara, formazione. Education, for the education, because it's like, in a restaurant like ours, we have uh, such an important role, like a bottega rinascimentale, with education, but also tourism, because uh, gastronomic tourism is a, a really, really important uh, part of, uh, of the new tourism. Uh, uh, and culture, because uh, what we do every day in our restaurant is like we... Our restaurant is a laboratory of idea, and uh, we create culture, and we create a new tradition. And this is uh, extremely important for the Italian that usually they live in nostalgia, understand this, look at the critic way of our past, not a nostalgic way, and, uh, and uh, to bring the best from the past into the future. So that's what we do every day. You know, something that you've talked about a lot um, in the past, uh, being uh, Modenese and, and sort of your, I, I guess, struggle is at least one applicable word. You know, you've, yeah. been, you've been open for 20 years. I think the, f the first five or six years seemed like they were really tough. And 
I can remember being in Torino back in 2003, talking to a young chef who yeah. was who was doing creative things with uh, Piemontese cuisine, and he talked at the time about how difficult it was, and you had already been going through those difficulties. Um, I'm wondering, you know, how what the, what you feel like this represents? Do you feel like in in Italy um, this helps turn the corner, or do you feel like the corner's already been turned? How do you feel like that's that is these days for young no, creative no, no. chefs? No, no, the, the corner is already been turned. And uh, in Italy right now, you eat better than uh, any other moment uh, in Italy. There is a group of chefs, like 20, 25 chefs, that are expressing ex- um, in a very deep way and in a very um, delicious way the territory, you know, the terroir of, uh, of uh, where they live. And, uh, you know, and they realize that uh, La Provincia, the province, you know, the, 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 is something uh, extremely important uh, in that uh, can really help you uh, if you don't get lost into the everyday life. If you get lost into the everyday life, it's going gonna, it's gonna to compress you uh, and... Uh, and keep you under the thumb. But if you don't get lost into the everyday life, you know, you keep it as a trampoline, you know, uh, to jump into the world. And for me, it's very easy to understand this because, you know, I live in New York as my hometown or going to Hong Kong, I have so many friends. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, I absorb, um, keeping my eyes and my ears open, I absorb the culture of a, big, a really big city, you know. Uh, but I, I always back here. I'm always back here because I feel living here is like you, you stay with the feet on earth all the time. You know, maybe for people who don't know, um, you could say a little bit about Modena and, and what, what yeah. the town is like and also what the cuisine is like. Yeah. Modena is a very small town. Um, with with a lot of bright ideas, uh, it's uh, it became uh, it became capital of the Ducato uh, in 1598, and uh, is uh, in the center in the art of the food valley. The art of the food valley is like the Emilia Romagna. Uh, I always describe Modena when as uh, the place for fast car and slow food, because you wait 25 years. Uh, before tasting a balsamic vinegar, but also is the place where Maserati, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Ducati, they're built, you know, so Pagani. And, uh, you know, it's, you can't explain. And uh, also it's extremely important for culture. We have five theaters with a program of 300 days uh, a year, so... You can be, you can spend the whole year in theaters. It's a place where we care a lot about uh, art. We care a lot about music. Think about Pavarotti, Milera Freni, the Corrado Rossini. So they're all from here. And you don't understand why everything in Modena and everything in such a small place without talking about agriculture, because it's the land of Parmigiano Reggiano, balsamic vinegar, uh, the cherries, the uh, uh, ham, or the, you know, the more I talk, the mortadella, the more I talk, the more you, you find the product. So it's a place where there are more DOP and EGP in all the rest of the Europe. What, what are some of the signature dishes that people would know from, from Modena or from Emilia? 
uh, one of the signature is like uh, like the lasagna, the tortellini, uh, the mix of uh, cured meat like prosciutto, culatello, uh, mortadella, and, uh, uh, fried dough called gnocco fritto. And there's uh, also uh, like a main course, like uh, very known for roasted and boiled meat. Uh, you know, very classic here. You can live uh, torta barossi, the chocolate, and you know it's so rich of uh, tradition that uh, you know it's, it's very easy to reinvent <laughs> the future. <laughs> you know, it's extremism. I, I think about uh, one of my favorite uh, creation that was uh, that I did uh, like 23 years ago was five different age parmigiano mm. in five different uh, texture and temperature is the way to paint in abstract like edible painting uh, the slowly passing of the time in the aging process in Emilia so it's like uh, we use uh, a parmigiano 24 uh, 30, 36, 40, and 50 months. And uh, we create uh, uh, a demi souffle, a foam, a sauce, a crunchy galetta, but also a fog of Parmigiano Reggiano. And, uh, you know, for so many years, people, they didn't even want to try to think about what I was doing. But 20 years later, has been declared the plate of the decade for Italian astronomy. Has, has it really? In, 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 in Italy itself? Yeah, it's uh, in 2011 for the 950th anniversary. Uh, that dish has been uh, declared the plate of the decade uh, for, Italia, for Italy. You, you mentioned earlier you were speaking to an Italian journalist uh, just now about about the 50 best yeah. win. How, how is the list viewed in Italy? I think in the United States it holds a lot of weight, and it's you know obviously we had the ceremony here in New York this year, so I think it's additional spotlight. But how well known is the list in the country, and and just you know what has the reaction been like um, immediately following the win? But, uh, every single every single newspaper, <laughs> like from Corriere della Sera to Repubblica or La Stampa or QN, uh, so I'm talking about millions of copies. Yeah. Uh, they had in uh, first page, so the opening page, and uh, so they all talk about this because they realize it's so so important, uh, and uh, uh, they had a reaction extremely deep and uh, enthusiastic reaction in, a, in the same way that uh, in which uh, Italy for the second, uh, for the second uh, match uh, uh, in a soccer European championship, they won, uh, uh, they won against uh, Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's a, a gastronomy in Italy is like at the same level of uh, the soccer and the religion. You know, there are three dogmas. <laughs> three pillars, yeah. Very, very, very deep. And, uh, you know. I, th I think something that's been discussed uh, right now. Right now, there are, uh, of course, there are the popular people uh, that they talk about. Uh, we 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 knew since several that we were the best. Uh, so this is like so the approach or like the nostalgic approach. But there are intelligent people. They understand. They understood that this prize was much more than a simple prize for a restaurant, an Italian restaurant, but it's just a, a way to say to people that 
Italy is not just about nostalgia, it's not just about pizza, it's not just about spaghetti, but much, much more. It's about beautiful products and uh, it's about uh, in, uh, invention, uh, creativity. You know, the genes uh, of the Renaissance are still here, you know. When you, when you, you know, kind of going down that path, like the difference between, you know, I feel like um, from Campazzo, you already had some of the ideas or at least the kinds of ideas that you eventually started doing at Francesca. Yeah, yeah. Campazzo in Libya was a, a very, very important moment of my life because uh, finally I decided to follow my passion and not follow what my father was uh, projecting for me. And uh, Campazzo, I started with these uh, amazing women uh, called Lydia Cristoni, mm-hmm. and uh, she really teached me how to create, uh, uh, how to be prepared for for 70, 60 people, you know, mm. the line of uh, preparation. And uh, in, uh, in during Campazzo, uh, uh, during the, that moment, that, uh, that period, I was... Um, staging uh, in my day off for a couple of days with a French chef called Georges Cogny. He was, uh, he was because he died a few years ago, he was uh, amazing because he teach me the traditional French uh, um, um, technique. So what I did, I, I, I applied the French technique to a traditional Italian cuisine. And that uh, is what uh, what really makes made the difference, and what Ducasse understood when he came to Campasso, and uh, and, uh, and uh, that that what really really makes made the difference. And Ducasse, at the end of the the lunch, he, he came to me and he said, uh, "Come to me, in Monte Carlo, because I I really want to I really want to to have you with me." And uh, going to Monte Carlo and uh, Louis Cairns uh, uh, was all about obsession. Obsession of quality of the ingredients, obsession about being straight, obsession. And obsession is the secret of success, I think. But it, it seems like even then you were doing, you know, dishes like the, the cappuccino emiliano, right? That was, that was a yeah. sort of like very yeah. playful, yeah. creative yeah. dish. Is a cappuccino, yeah. I think is a is a first uh, very top uh, cuisine that I was doing. Like something, I took an Italian shape as a cappuccino uh, and brioche, and uh, I transforming into a, a favorite dish uh, using uh, two very humble elements like uh, uh, onion and uh, potato. Mixing with an amazing ingredient like uh, extra old balsamic vinegar. Getting a brioche made with uh, uh, grapes uh, like uh, powder I, that I powder it and uh, with a mortadella foam. <laughs> so I just use uh, so many traditional ingredients and, and uh, I transform them. I gave them the shape of a very classic, uh, you know, Italian, uh, like, uh, uh, icon, yeah. you know? Yeah. When you, I was curious about, you know, you know, another transformative moment for you was coming to New York, obviously, in many, many ways. I was curious why yeah. you felt like, why New York? You know, why not London? Why not Paris? Why, why did you decide New York was the place no, for you? when I decided to go to New York is because, uh, 
Uh, New York was always my favorite place in the world, you know. Uh, you know, I was fascinated by uh, Bob Dylan, by Lou Reed, by the Velvet Underground, by Andy Warhol. You know, those are those for me are mites, you know. And so I said, I just want to go to New York. Because New York, when I'm in New York, I breathe freedom. I can walk into New York with a couple of dollars in my pocket and uh, and uh, and some keys and uh, breathe uh, the air. I love the one of the most important things that I do in New York for myself, you know, to to free my mind or to think is just walking in walking around town. Mm-hmm. And I'm walking with my mind that is connected. It's connecting. So uh, it's just uh, an energy, an energy that is keep, keeps coming to me, uh, very positive energy, very I, stimulating. Speaking uh, of uh, speaking of Lou Reed and music, I've I've heard you've got a really great Lou Reed story. Ah, uh, that's uh, that's amazing. He's one, first of all, he's always been one of my favorite artists. Then when I when I learned, and they told me that he was coming to Modena. To, to eat here, I was thrilled. So he arrived with other seven people, and uh, but but uh, the seven, the other seven, they ordered a tasting menu. He said, "I just want some grilled stuff with uh, with the salad." I was so disappointed, but <laughs> said, "Okay, that's fine." After the second course, he called me and said, "Okay, chef, let's switch. Uh, I'm gonna have the tasting menu too." Then, at the end of the meal, he told me, okay, can I come tomorrow? So I said, yeah, of course, you can come uh, tomorrow for lunch. So he came, he had lunch, and he said, okay, I have to go now because I have to do a reverse. Uh, Can I come tonight? Uh, Of course, you can come. But uh, if you come back tonight, I want you to sign all my records. So he said, oh, no problem. Uh, because you know how difficult it was, no? Yeah. yeah. So uh, he, I brought. Uh, he didn't know that I had seventy records, you know. <laughs> so he had to sign all the seventy records, and he was like, "Fuck, unbelievable!" <laughs> uh, but I said, "Okay, I'm signing this record, but tomorrow you're gonna come to the to the to the concert." And I said, "Okay, I, I will be there." So he prepared on the stage uh, a sofa with a bucket full of ice and beers. And we, I was watching the concert of Lou Reed uh, up there. On and, the stage uh, with him. You know, after, after that, we went out to eat, to, to spend some time together. And uh, in the meantime, at two in the morning after, you know, beer and this and that, you know, we were a little bit uh, high. And uh, I was talking with him looking in his eyes about bollito not boil. Bollito miso is a classic preparation to north of Italy. And one day I walked into the kitchen that time and I, sa- and I said, why do I have to boil the meat into the water? Now I'm a contemporary chef and I know a technique that is much better, like sous vide, low temperature. I'm preserving the work uh, of the artisan. I'm, I'm preserving vitamin and protein. And I'm not losing uh, the poetry of the past. So I cannot explain. The people, they don't understand. It's so easy for me to explain. I was so moved about that. So at one point, he stopped me. 
he looked at, at, the, at the band that was eating on the side and he said, this guy can understand my obsession about the amplifiers. <laughs> you know, from that moment, <laughs> you know, we just became friends and, uh, you know, yeah, that's that's it's great that you got to that you got to spend time with him. You mentioned you mentioned tasting menus and you serve tasting menus at Austria Francescana, but you also serve an a la carte menu, which is something that I don't think anybody else in the top ten on on the fifty best list or, or most other three Michelin star restaurants do. Why do you let people choose when they come to the restaurant? Why is that still an option and, and uh, important because, to you? Uh, for me, it's very important and respectful. First of all, create a plate a la carte is much more difficult than creating a tasting menu. Yeah. You, have to, you don't have to bite two times, but you have to bite at least 14 times. So it's extremely, extremely more complicated. And, uh, and uh, for me, it's a, a person uh, that comes from Los Angeles, fly to Modena, and that day, decide that he wants to eat just uh, a plate of tortellini cooked in a broth and uh, with a, a Parmigiano-Reggiano sauce on the top is like the most uh, luxurious thing ever. Because I'm having the table of Rosario Francescana, I wait for months, but that day, my the extreme desire is to eat a big plate of tortellini. And in Rosario Francescana, you can do it. And for me, it's just the most uh, amazing thing you can do for people. I, I I, like... I'm not thinking about myself. I think about the happiness of the people that travel from all over the world. And I keep saying to these people that, uh, uh, that they, they just say, oh, my God, uh, thank you so much. No, we, we, we have to thank you because you come from all over the world and you fill the restaurant every day, lunch and dinner in Modena. You know, it's not New York. I mean, I'll say that, like, just for everybody listening, that's so unusual and so counterintuitive. I don't think you hear chefs say that very often. I think most of the time chefs say, yeah, because, uh, chefs because say this difficult. is the way we do it, and, and you're going to like it or you can leave. Um, it's a really different attitude yeah. that I think yeah. is, is really great. Um, yeah, thank you. No, my, it's extremely, extremely difficult, huh? Uh, the guys in the kitchen they complain all the time about that. Sure, because it's, har- it's, har- it's, 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 hard, it's harder for the restaurant. It's easier to serve the same yeah. food to every single table, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, your dishes are are very, very visual, very artistic, um, and 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 I know that art is something that's been really important to you. I'm yeah. wondering about your own yeah. process. What, what is the process of creating a dish like? What, what do you guys have a lab? How do you do you sketch? Uh, Creativity is creativity, you know. It's part of, when I say that uh, we compress inevitable bites, uh, our passion, my passion is like uh, I, I compress it into a bite, uh, uh, art, uh, uh, music, uh, uh, Mike Davis whispering the trumpet, Billy Holiday uh, singing, uh, you know, Autumn in New York, or like, uh, uh, you know, Damien Earth uh, and his Steam painting. You know, it's passion. You know, if you have passion, you read, you 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 go uh, to museum, you listen to music, and you know, it's it's all part of your life. So when I say that I cannot stop or I breathe New York, uh, yes, it is. 
Yeah, one of the best plates that we are serving now is called Autumn in New York. And you can say, ah, oh, but this is uh, uh, almost uh, summer in Modena. Yeah, but is, Autumn in New York is inspired Billy Holiday. And uh, Billy Holiday didn't sing Autumn in New York in Autumn in New York. So it's the, the idea that is important behind Autumn in New York. Because the idea is that I'm walking in Union Square Market. I'm fixing in my mind what you have in Union Square Market. And I'm... Uh, and I'm uh, replicating the plate what uh, what I saw. So I in a, is an, an image uh, that is uh, in a uh, is an edible image of the color of the autumn in New York. You know, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's just like this. This is the creative process. Think about. Uh, oops, I dropped the lemon tart. Oops, I dropped the lemon tart is rebuilding in a perfect way the imperfection. So what it is, is, uh, is just uh, is south, the most imperfect place in the world is south of Italy. And uh, so I, re I got all these elements from south of Italy. And uh, like uh, the bergamot from Calabria, the oregano from Puglia, the lemon from Sorrento, the capers from Pantelleria, the almond from Noto, and uh, and uh, is uh, uh, <clears throat> and uh, and uh, uh, the south of Italy is the most imperfect place in the world. So uh, when we were like breaking the border, we were looking for to break the border between sweet and savory, and. Uh, and uh, uh, Taka was ready, my, my sous-chef, my Japanese sous-chef, Taka was ready to serve uh, the lemon tart. And he dropped one of the two. And he was so mad and so disappointed that he was ready to kill himself. I said, Taka, no, don't do that. I need you. Come on, look, look deeply what it is. It's beautiful. It's, let's rebuild in a perfect way what you did in the, and in that. So that became an icon of international cuisine, you know? Yeah. And we broke and we had capers and we had uh, uh, spicy oil from Basilicata. Mm. So we, 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 we broke the border between sweet and savory. And, uh, you know, we rebuilt them and we, we transferred emotion. So you... and this is the secret. What is the secret? The secret is uh, find an answer. It's better keep keep a little space in your life, in your everyday life, open for poetry. Because uh, if you have poetry in your life, you can jump into that space and imagine everything. You know. One one of the other things that that you that was transformative for you in New York is you met your wife Laura. Could you could you just say a little bit oh, about yeah. her 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 That's importance? That's the most important moment of my life. You know. And so I what met, is I met wife I met Lara in a very strange way very like a serendipity uh, it was uh, the 6th of April uh, 1993 and uh, I was looking for a coffee espresso and I saw in a, this uh, in this uh, small uh, restaurant a sign of a very important uh, Italian label. So I went, I walk in to, to have a coffee, took like uh, 20 minutes, you know? Mm. And I said, oh my God, 
these guys, they, they really need help. And uh, I left my number, you know. I went back home. I was living uptown. And uh, I found on the answer machine the voice of uh, uh, Ray Costantini saying, uh, Massimo, uh, I'm Ray Costantini. I really need you tomorrow in the shift two to closing time. Uh, okay, I'll see you tomorrow. Lara, in that same time, she was working in the Worcester Theater, just uh, on the other corner of, uh, of Café di Nonna. And uh, she, she said to another guy that was working there, uh, I really need some money because, you know, acting is not something I can do with it because I have to pay my rent. They said, ah, there is a small restaurant on the side where I work, and, uh, you know, maybe you can try that. She went there. And the same day, and Ray Costantini left a message on her answer machine saying, you can come tomorrow on the shift two to closing time. So we start the 7th of April to 1993 in the shift two to closing time together. You know, we met like this. And, and what, is, what, is she, what has she become to the business? What, is the, what has she meant to you and to the, to the business? Lara is like the intellectual part of the business. You know, uh, we have Taka that is like so straight. We have Davide that is managing in a perfect way the irrational. We have Beppe in the front house that is uh, every day there, always there, always there. So it's like extremely obsessive. Uh, and then we have Enrico that is uh, the social part of the business. Then uh, Lara is the intellectual part. And me, and they, man they all manage me that I'm the crazy part <laughs> of the Australia, you know, <laughs> you know, it's not easy, yeah. Yeah, I wonder. Have you ever have you ever tried art in another medium? Because I think what you do is is artistic. Obviously, listening to you talk about it, I know you collect art, um, but but no, I collect art, but I always think that I'm an artisan because uh, uh, art, an artist, is uh, free to do whatever he wants. An artisan has to create good food. Uh, an artisan has great beautiful car. An artisan has to uh, create, uh, you know, it's totally different. An artist is totally free, free to do whatever he wants. Um, and so in that spirit, what, what is next for you? I mean, a lot of people in your position, you know, um, they have empires. They I'm ha not capitalizing, that's for sure. You know, I, uh, money, they've never been uh, my priority. And uh, so what I think, uh, I will go more social and social. Like uh, after the experience uh, of, uh, you know, Joseph Boyce is one of my favorite artists and he was creating sculpture at Social Gesture. And, uh, you know, after the experience of the Universal Exposition in Milan with Pope Francis, you know, and the uh, soup kitchen at the Refettorio Ambrosiano, uh, next, the 1st of uh, June, of uh, August, we're going to open in the favelas of Lapa in Rio de Janeiro. Mm. We're going to open another one. After, we already opened in Modena, Bologna. So it's just uh, to replicate more and more this kind of uh, soup kitchens that they are not uh, charity project, but they are cultural project because uh, the soup kitchen are full of art, of design, of beauty, you know, because it's all about to rebuild the dignity of the people, not just feed a great uh, meal.
And to do that with me on this journey, there are all the best chefs in the world, you know. And uh, instead of uh, cooking ingredients like classic ingredients, we cook the waste. That what people think are waste. And this is amazing because, uh, uh, you know, uh, modernist Emilia cuisine uh, is just uh, about, uh, it's called La Cucina Povera, no? Mm -hmm. uh, it's the poor ingredients, but and bright flavors. And uh, this, is, uh, this is what we do. Maybe we create a new tradition of the future, uh, filtered by the mind of a Peruvian chef or a French or a Japanese or American or, uh, you know, Danish. So I think the soup kitchen, the refettorio, would be a great uh, thing. And another, another idea, another dream that I have is build a university in which uh, the chef of the future, they're going to grow close to the farmers of the future. Uh, because uh, I think the most important thing is for, for the future of this job is that the farmers, they know more about flavor, and the chef, they have to know more about soil. Mm. So we, we work on a side-by-side -side with um, uh, a school close, called uh, Istituto Spallanzani, in the middle of the country of Modena, and uh, in a few years, like six years, uh, from uh, from going getting close to going out of business, um, you know, this school now has a waiting list with six first course every year. So, uh, but I think it's not enough. I think uh, we need uh, much more culture. And uh, because I always say that uh, the most important ingredient of the future is culture. And, uh, you know, I, need, uh, I think uh, we need a university. You know, this is, uh, this is my project. When you think about that next generation of chefs, younger, younger people coming yeah. up, just learning, what would you tell yeah. them about... Uh, pursuing their passion. You, you've been through some difficult... Ni 1999, 2000, 2001 must have been really difficult years for yeah, you. That was, yeah, those were, they were like extremely difficult moments. What would you, you know? tell them? Was, what did you uh, learn we then? Were, we were very close to close the restaurant. And, uh, you know, I think, I think uh, as I say to my, my nephew, I, he, he thinks he is my, my Davis, the new Miles Davis. So I said, he was, he was keeping, like, come on, uncle, come on, come, come, listen to what I'm doing. So I went there one night, and I listened to Alessandro, and he said, and I said, Alessandro, you don't have talent. You're not Miles Davis. If I have to listen to Miles Davis, I'm going to listen a record in my beautiful music room. So I, I would say, don't, don't stop uh, giving and pointing the finger on province or where you live. If you have a good idea, keep going, keep fighting. Uh, before or after, they're going to recognize you and uh, travel a lot. Uh, get contaminated in a wise way, not in a wild way, because you never have to forget who you are and where you come from. This is what I said. Great. When and when one last question, if 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 we can, when you think about when you think about traveling and and absorbing things to be creative with, yeah. um, and to keep you inspired, where are you most excited to go next for food? Well, 
in this period, uh, um, I'm, I love uh, extreme places like Patagonia. Uh, there are fantastic ingredients uh, north of Canada, south of the uh, United States, uh, like in Schoenbrock, uh, uh, state of mind, um, South America, uh, and uh, the, 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 this kind of flavors, or, or China. I think... Uh, there is no one place. There are so many interesting places in the world, and uh, what I re really interests me are the, the new. So I'm trying always to to think about uh, to going and uh, and learn something different. You know, yeah. so I'm going back. Always going back to New York and Modena. New York and Modena. Well, Massimo, <laughs> uh, grazie mille. Thank you very grazie, much. Grazie, grazie a voi. Grazie and mille, grazie a voi. Auguri di nuovo. Ciao, ciao. Thank ciao, you ciao. very much. Bye. Ciao, ciao. Bye. Bye. Thank you, Matt, for being here. Um, ladies and gentlemen, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and don't forget to visit us on cntraveler.com. We are also at Condé Nast Traveler on Facebook and YouTube, and CN Traveler on Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat. Matt, where can the folk find you? They can find me uh, at Epicurious, epicurious.com, and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those places at at Matt Ducker. And what are you working on this week at epicurious.com? I'm, I'm going to go right back downstairs and write something about uh, the po' boy sandwich. Uh, very different. Yeah, nothing that Massimo talked about, uh, really. No no, uh, no, no art there. But there is an art. There is an art to sandwich making, really, if you look in deep into it. So we have a column called Sandwich Theory in which I explore the right way to make uh, every sandwich under the sun. And today's today's sandwich is the po' boy. So, what is the right way to make a po' boy? Well, it's all about the bread. You need that kind of like crusty but not too crusty French bread. Like if you're going to make French bread pizza, you need that. Um, you need a good remoulade and you need crystal hot sauce, which is from Louisiana. And it's the only hot sauce you should use in a pool boy. Where are you getting this bread in New York? We got it from Fresh Direct, actually. They have amazing like French really? rolls on Fresh Direct. Yes, this absolutely. Shocks me. No, it's it's really good. It's it's not. This is not a high flutin thing. This is not like crazy fancy. Like I don't need um, Sullivan Street Bakery uh, to make me the uh, French rolls. You just you just need the the right amount of crustiness on the outside. So um, that's it. All right. So uh, uh, go to epicurious.com and look for the the perfect way to make a po' boy from Matt. Um, I'm at Bradrick, and that's it. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. 